Yeah, what's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clutch Pod. As always, I'm your host, AB, and I'm going to be taking you through the Premier League weekend reaction and also FA Cup quarterfinal action. Well, we're going to start off in the Premier League and we're going to start off one of the games on Sunday, Everton against Chelsea. Everton, you know, critical of them in the last pod, especially saying, especially when they lost to Newcastle after blowing a two-goal lead. I was very critical on, on not only them, Marco Silva as well, the amount of money they've spent where they are in the league, this, this, that, it wasn't, it wasn't gritty. I don't know a lot of Everton fans, but if they did listen to the pod last week, they would have been very upset. But look, I think they bounced back. I mean, they beat Chelsea 2-0 at Goodison Park. That is a huge, huge win for them. Big up Everton. Richarlison putting them into the lead four minutes into the second half and then Sigurdsson scoring the rebound after missing the penalty. Big, big win for Everton. That was their first home win in nine weeks. That's mad. The first half, it was it was a bit dull. Chelsea games recently, they've been so dull. Like the game against Wolves on the pod, it was dull the first half. Um, this game, the game against Fulham at Craven Cottage when they won, it was dull. Like I don't I don't know what's going on with them, man. I don't know what Marco Silva said to them, man, in in the halftime team talk, but boy. He he gave the team talk of his life because they came out in the second half on vaults. Like, I'm seeing one, two, quick tempo, moving the ball fast. Like, they were on Chelsea's neck. I mean, even the lead up to the Richarlison's goal from the corner, I think they had like two corners before that in quick succession. And then this third one, they just banged it in. Then obviously the penalty, it was just, it was a clear penalty, man. Sigurdsson stepped up. It was a poor pen, saved well by Kepa, but then he was there to tap in the rebound. It is their first home win in nine weeks. It is also their first win against a big six side in two years since they beat Man City. So, boy, they really, really needed that. I mean, it's it's mad because Everton, I was very critical of them, especially this season. They've probably been one of the biggest disappointments, as I did say, because of the money they spent and all of that. And another thing I would say why they're a disappointment is that I, I don't really want to criticise them, but they're possibly the worst average team ever, like... Against the top six, they were just awful. Like, they used to always roll over, let Liverpool give them a beatdown in the Merseyside derby. I'm thinking, all right, cool. It's a geographical derby, like, rise up to the occasion. But they never, ever used to do that. Against, like, the Uniteds, the Arsenals, the um, Chelsea's, even though they did beat them previously, they will just crumble. So, for them to get all three points in the weekend, that's a great, great result for them. On the flip side, though, for Chelsea, disappointing defeat. Poor, poor performance. Again, they were very flat, lackluster, like a days ago in midfield and in attack. <coughs> Marcos Alonso, boy, he, he's been exposed defensively time and time again. Gave so much space to on the Everton right-hand side for them to attack. He was out of position several times. And yeah, he's just, having, he's just going through a shocking run of form at the moment. I feel like he should be replaced. Uh, Sarri did start playing Emerson at left back for uh, like three or four games, but he did resort to Marcos Alonso and that gamble clearly didn't work for him. But yeah, Chelsea, they lost their game in hand, so they could have gone as high as fourth in the league with a victory on Sunday at Goodison Park. But they stay in sixth and they've now played the same amount of games as the rest of the teams battling for, for a top four position. So is right now they have to, you know, worry about what other teams do in other games, which is really not what you want to do when you're in this late in the season. You just want to focus. You want everything to be in your own hands. You want to be able to say that, look, 
Like, we can go around there, win there. Like, your destiny is in our own hands. Like, we don't have to worry about Burnley beating Tottenham or, or Watford beating United, for example, or any of those things. Like, it's in your hands. So, for it not to be in their hands, it's worrying for them because... Obviously, they're in the Europa League now. They're challenging to win that competition. And now they're trying to get a top four position, which is looking very, very difficult for them at the moment. So, yeah, that was their big opportunity. And they blew it, man. They just blew it. One thing I want to talk about in that game from a Chelsea perspective, they were a goal down before Sigurdsson put them 2-0 up. They took off Higuain and brought on Giroud. And I'm thinking, you're a goal down. Fair enough, you're away from home. You don't want to expose yourselves defensively too much by playing two strikers. But this is your game in hand. Like, surely you want to bring on an extra striker to play alongside Higuain to try and salvage something from the game. I mean, you're already losing. So that substitution, I was a bit... It was, it was a bit booky for me still. I didn't really understand that. And obviously, based on the result, it didn't really work out for Sarri. But back to Everton though, big up there, Marco Silva, he's been on, he's been under a lot of pressure. A lot of people, including me, did say he probably would be the next Premier League manager to lose his job. But with a result like this, hopefully Everton can get some momentum, although, although now it is the international break. So maybe they can come back, you know, on a high after that result. That was the game on Sunday. Let's move on to the game it was a seven-goal thrill at the London Stadium. West Ham narrowly, narrowly beat Huddersfield 4-3. I mean, it was a goal fest. They were 3-1 down at a stage in the game, but fair play to them. They showed great resilience to come back. Javier Hernandez scoring a brace doing the LeBron James celebration as well, you know. I big up Javier Hernandez, man. You know I always have love for him from his United days. But yeah, so they were 3-1 down. They did take the lead, though. So they went 1-0 up, then 3-1 down. After 65 minutes, big one guy I want to big up, Carlan Grant, Huddersfield's January signing from Charlton. Big up him, Young G as well, from the ends as well. So he came and scored two goals, his first two goals for Huddersfield. The second one was a banger. That's probably, if not goal of the season, definitely a goal of the month contender. I mean, little spin move past the defender. I think it was Ogbonna as well. That's a hard defender to beat as well. Then just finesse, top right-hand corner. Great finish for him. Unfortunately, though, they didn't get nothing from the game. West Ham, yeah, I don't know about them. Because when it comes to these lesser teams, if you like, yeah, Huddersfield, they've only won three games all season. Like, you cannot be going 3-1 down against a team like Huddersfield. I feel like when they play these minor teams, yeah, they take their foot off the pedal. I feel like they can relax a bit. I mean, West Ham, they're a decent team, innit? That they're a good mid-table team. But you ain't good enough, yeah, to be taking your pedal off the gas when you play these low level teams because they're going into the game thinking that yeah we're gonna give it a go it's West Ham away let's let's give it our all they got good players West Ham but they ain't good enough yeah to be to be playing about with these little teams like I've seen them do it on numerous occasions when they went round Cardiff they lost 2-0 I mean, even in the FA Cup, AFC Wimbledon, they went and lost there in a game that they should have won, man. There's no excuse as to why you can't go on a cup run when you're a team like West Ham. You know you're not going to get relegated. You're not going to trouble the top six sides. So why not try and win one of the domestic cups? They went and blew it against AFC Wimbledon. So yeah, they feel like they can just, you know, cruise by, try a thing, and then put two or three past these small teams, keep it moving. But they ain't that good enough. I'm just, it's just good on them that they decided to wake up in that game and, you know, turn the result around and get the win. Unlucky for Huddersfield, you know, they're just trying to go down 
go down with a fight at this current moment in time. But that's a bitterly, bitterly disappointing result for them, considering they were 3-1 up with, what, 25 minutes left to go. Let's move on, though. Um, another game that was on Sunday, the earlier game before Everton played Chelsea, it was at Craven Cottage, Fulham against Liverpool. Looking at the form guide, it just had to be a Liverpool win. Liverpool, you know, high-flying, trying to win the title against a Fulham team that they're basically doomed right now. But when watching the game, it was anything but that, you know. I mean, all right, cool. They took the lead early. Sadio Mane, can we just, can we give that brother some accolades? Because he has been on fire recently. I mean, scoring in midweek against Bayern Munich to wrap up the win, wrap up the result for them and send his team to the Champions League quarterfinals, come back in the league. He's doing it again. At this current moment in time, I feel like after Van Dijk, he's their best player, man. He's better than Salah right now. He's tied on goals with him right now, 17. So they both got 17. But I feel like right now, he's showing up when his team really needs him. And I can't say that about Mo Salah right now, man. I mean, what's that? One in his last eight Premier League games, that's poor from him. And he, look, he looks like his confidence is shaken. Fair enough, he got a great assist in midweek against Bayern Munich for Mane. That was a great ball. But attacking-wise... He's getting in positions where you would think, ah, right, cool, he's going to tuck this ball away. But he's either snatching at chances or he's shooting from distances where you know you're not going to score and there's a clearly a better option for you to give to your fellow teammates. But he, he just seems to shoot. So I don't really know what's going on with him right now. Liverpool fans, I'll be worried if I was you because you need him to be on fire if you're trying to, you know, win the Champions League and the Premier League, apparently. Liverpool, there was a lapse in concentration, though, because Van Dijk, I'm not, I'm not gonna grill him in it, car. More time, he's been, he's been a rock at the back for them. He's probably up there for PFA Player of the Year as well. So you can, you can get away with stuff like that in it, like the odd lapse in concentration. And some could say for that Ryan Babel goal, the equaliser for Fulham, that it might have been Allison's fault as well, because he's put his hands out thinking that raw, like Allison, he comes to grab it all. But then Ryan Babel, the poacher that he is, he just intercepted the header and tucked it in the net. So yeah, Fulham, they were poor again. Defensively, they were very poor. One guy that I want to single out, it hurts me to do this because he is on loan from United. Timothy Fosu-Mensa, he struggled to get in the Fulham side all season. Jokanovic, he started playing him early, but he was just producing shocking, shocking performances. So he got dropped. Ranieri, he didn't really play him. Scotty Parker, he put him in the side today against Liverpool and he was just, he was just bullied by Andy Robertson. I mean, he left so much space for Andy Robertson to drive in on that left-hand side. And Andy Robertson, he's an accomplished cross off the ball. You know he's going to pick someone out. That's what led to Liverpool's first goal from Sadio Mane. So, Fossi Mensah, that's a poor display from him. Right now, I don't see him getting into the United side. When he comes back on loan, I feel like they will get rid of him. And it's sad because he's a young player. He did show a lot of promise when he was at United as well, when we loaned him out a couple of times. But He's just shown that he can't make that next step up into the Premier League. Maybe he might have to drop down into the Championship or something like that to, you know, build his confidence. So that was the second game on Sunday. Let's move on, though. A game on Saturday at Turf Moor. Bernie played Leicester. Leicester did go a man down after four minutes. Ariel Maguire got sent off, boy, after four minutes. That's a big lapse in concentration for him. So you're thinking, all right, cool. You're a Burnley side battling relegation, yeah? And you have a man advantage for, what, the next 86 minutes? Surely you'll try and, you know, grab all three points that you desperately need, considering there's only two points between you and the relegation zone. But 
that wasn't the case. Leicester, fair play to them. A man down for most of the game. They still ran out 2-1 winners, scoring in the 94th minute. Wes Morgan, the captain with a big goal for them to seal all three points for them. Dwight McNeil did equalise for Burnley. Fam, Leicester even took the lead with 10 men. James Madison, who's having a great season for Leicester. Burnley did equalise, but they lost it in the last minute of the game. And I'm sure they'll be deeply disappointed with that result. Considering their next couple of games, yeah, their run up, their run into the end of the season is brutal. They gotta play Spurs, United, and Manchester City, as well as a couple other games like Watford away and that. So they really need to start kicking on if they want to be in the Premier League next season. Because right now, if you're dropping performances like that, boy, you better get ready for the championship, fam. Another game on Saturday, Bournemouth drew 2-2 with Newcastle. Josh King banging in two goals for Bournemouth. But it was all cancelled out through a 94th minute equaliser for Newcastle. Matt Ritchie with the goal after Solomon Rondon banged in a free kick for Newcastle to put them into the lead at the end of the first half. Both these sides, I don't think they'll get relegated. They've got too much quality between them. And they're 12th and 13th in the league. So I guess the challenge for them is to try and sneak into the top 10, which is, which is it's doable, but they'll have to play really hard to get that done. So, yeah, those were the Premier League weekend results. As I said earlier, there was FA Cup quarterfinal action. That's why there was only, what, four games this weekend. And also, there is an international break coming up. So, the next time we'll get Premier League action would be in the last week of March, I believe. So, obviously, we won't be around for the international break. We'll be back at the end of the international break with more Premier League reaction. Let's move on to the FA Cup, though. So, the FA Cup weekend, a lot of quarterfinal draws this weekend. We're going to start off with the first FA Cup quarterfinal that was on Saturday lunchtime. Watford against Crystal Palace. Watford, high-flying, they're seventh in the league. Crystal Palace, they got a bit of FA Cup pedigree. They did go all the way to the FA Cup final under Alan Pardew just to lose to United in extra time. Big up Jesse Lingard for the extra time goal. So yeah, they went away to Watford without their talisman, Wilfred Zahar. So it was a big ask for them. Unfortunately, for Crystal Palace, they did lose 2-1. Etienne Caput and Andre Gray getting on the score sheet for Watford. Andre Gray, super sub, coming off the bench two minutes later. He's won the cup tie for them. What, what more can you ask for a man like that? So big up him. Michi Batshuayi did briefly equalise for Crystal Palace, but it wasn't good enough for the Eagles and they bow out of the FA Cup. Um, Watford, they did rest a couple of players when they played Manchester City last week. I guess the gamble of resting those players against City did pay off because, I mean, when you're playing City, I guess it's a free hit because you're not expected to win. So they rested their players and it worked out for them because they won in the end. So big up them. Crystal Palace did have a chance to try to equalise my guy, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. He just dragged the shot wide. I was hoping he would get into the England team for this upcoming international break, but he was overlooked. I'm not really surprised that he was overlooked, but it would have been nice to see him get in there because he's been performing excellently for Crystal Palace all season. I guess that's probably why he got overlooked because when, when you select players for England... It depends on, you know, the teams that you play for. That's why you got man like Ricky Lambert back in the day when he was playing for Liverpool. Man was racking up England caps, fam. I was thinking, what the fuck? But yeah, so I guess it is what it is. And to be fair, there are two solid right-backs that I feel like they're just better than him at the moment. That's Kyle Walker and also Trent Alexander-Arnold. Kieran Trippier as well. <laughs> so 
if he wants to get into the England side, which I really want him to do, he's going to have to, you know, hit that next level or maybe get that move to a big club, make him get looked at more intensively, I think. So that was the FA Cup game on Saturday. Another game that was on Saturday, Swansea against Man City at the Liberty City Stadium. When I... <laughs> When I was previewing this game on the last pod, I, I said there is no way Swansea are going to win this game. Man City, yeah. When they play these little sides, they play their full their full starting eleven, yeah. Your KDBs, Aguero's. Look what they've done to Burton, Albion, Oxford, United. All them teams there. All of a sudden, <laughs> they were 2-0 down. I was thinking, raw. I mean, Swansea, they put up a great fight. That second goal, yeah, by what's the brother's name? Selena. That was... An excellent goal. If it was if it was Barcelona that scored that goal, yeah, you know how much publicity that goal would have got. Deep it, they played from the back. It started off with the goalkeeper, lays off to his centre half, dinks it to the left back, the one-two. All of a sudden, there's a three-on-two break. And then for you to take that shot, yeah. First time Edison in goal to beat him like that. First time, boy, you deserve you deserve some accolades. So big up Selena for that goal. Two-nil up. I was thinking, could they do it? Then obviously, City, they had to bring on Aguero and Sterling off the bench. And next minute, you know, Bernardo Silva scored after 70 minutes. And that's when I knew, yeah, they're, they're just going to do it, man. They're just going to win it. But I can't lie, it was controversial because, first of all, Aguero was offside for the winner. He was so offside. And that brings in another VAR debate. Um, why wasn't VAR used in the FA Cup game? Why wasn't VAR used in the Swansea game, but it was used in the United game against Wolves? And why do they only put VAR in Premier League grounds? This, this and that. Right now, it's a bit messy, man. It's all messy with this VAR thing. And it's not even that. The penalty which was awarded to Man City... It was there wasn't enough contact for me anyway. You might say I'm biased because I support United and I don't want to see City progress, but it it just wasn't a penalty, man. It's hard for Swansea as well for you to to lose to two controversial decisions like that. But it is what it is, isn't it? But yeah, the last game on Saturday in the FA Cup quarterfinal, Wolves against Manchester United. United knocking out Arsenal and Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and at the Emirates. So they travel to Molyneux, their third cup game away from home. And disappointing, bitterly, bitterly, bitterly disappointing result for United. They were knocked out by Wolves, two goals to one. Great result for Wolves. They're through to FA Cup semi-final. Raul Jimenez, their talisman, and Diego Jota scoring the two goals for them. Rashford scoring a late goal in the 95th minute, but it proved to be nothing but consolation. And I can't lie, I was very, very, very disappointed by that result. I mean, considering... Yeah, the teams that we beat to get this far in the competition, like I said, we went to the Emirates and beat Arsenal. Then we went to Stamford Bridge and beat Chelsea. So I'm thinking, yeah, the players are up for it. And realistically, this is our only piece of silverware that we can win this season. Because Champions League is looking techy right now. We, we got to go to the new camp and, and back Messi and them, man. And obviously, we got knocked out the Carabao Cup as well. So this, I was thinking, yeah, the players, they'll step up, especially considering the fact that we suffered our first meaningful defeat and it happened away at Arsenal so I was thinking alright cool the players they've come back down to earth following that PSG game they're, they're gonna know what's expected of them when we go to Molyneux to play Wolves but it was anything but that I mean disappointing performance Martial was disappointing I don't know whether or not it's because he just came back from injury Rashford was disappointing Pogba was disappointing I mean there were so many disappointing players on that pitch that wore United red 
that it was just it was just a frustrating watch. But you know what? You got to give credit where it's due. Big up Wolves. I did say this was going to be no rollover whatsoever. I've told man about Wolves and what they do against the top six sides. The way they're set up, Nuno Espirito Santo, he's got his team focused, they're structured to the T. So you got to praise them where it's due. They hit us on the counter-attack. That second goal, Diego Jota, he spun Luke Shaw inside out. Great finish from him. Great piece of skill. I just couldn't believe it, man. From a United perspective, though, it was... This formation that we played, yeah, this diamond formation where you got Pogba on the left, you had Matic anchoring in midfield, Herrera on the right, then Lingard in the in the number 10 position. I don't think it works for us when you got Pogba wide on the left, man, because it's he's just so ineffective there, yeah. That it's just it's just annoying when you got a player who you know what he can produce when he's on his day. There's he's a top five player, yeah. He's a top he's a top three player in the Premier League on his day. No doubt about that. That's what I believe anyway. You can you can think it's other people. I'm just stating my opinion. But playing on the left, he doesn't have the pace to be he's not winger, so you you don't have the pace to beat his man. Alright, cool, he's got the strength and he's got two two tricks up his sleeve, yeah. But that wide left position, he's ineffective. Marshall as well, he was meant to be playing up top with Rashford, but it looked like he was just he just wanted the ball to feet all the time. He he didn't want to run in behind. I don't know whether it's because he's coming from a recurring injury. He even had to pull out of the France squad after um that game because he picked up an, a recurring injury again. So I don't know whether it's because of that or match sharpness is low. I don't really know, but the performance was poor. And I can't lie, yeah. Being, I'm a, I'm a realistic fan, innit? I say how it is. Wolves, they outplayed us, innit? Like, we, we didn't take our chances. We didn't play well at all. But I genuinely feel that Nuno Espirito Santo, the Wolves manager, he outcoached Solskjaer. Solskjaer was outcoached. We were outcoached that game, man. Because the way we were set up, it was... I don't, I don't want to say it was predictable, but Wolves were able to nullify all the threats that we posed. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't use the pace of Marshall or Rashford to get him behind... We couldn't you we couldn't control the midfield. Matic, that's another problem we have in the side. He's he lacks mobility. So watching him play like watching him turn on the pitch is like watching someone try to do a three-point turn, yeah, in, in a tight road. Like it takes him so long just to move the ball, bro. It's so frustrating. And I can't lie, yeah. Watching this game, all I could think about was Barcelona. The way they, the way that man will deal with us if we perform like that, yeah, it'll it, it'll it get messy, man. It'll literally get messy, fam. So yeah, Wolves they soaked up possession perfectly and then hit us on the counter. When they scored that goal, I knew I knew it was over. The first goal from Jimenez, I knew it was over because after that, United we didn't show no attacking threat at all. We didn't show that we wanted to get this game. We needed someone that will take the game by the scruff of his neck and be like, alright, cool. We need to win this trophy, yeah. This is our only realistic chance. This is Manchester United, where team renowned to win silverware, yeah. We need to wake up and win this game, but there was no one like that on that pitch that done that for us. So that was disappointing again for us. And yeah, we, we bow out of the cup at the quarterfinal stage. And what made me more upset is the fact that how far we had come only to lose to Wolves. That's not mocking Wolves because we went to two difficult places to win. We went to the Emirates and Stamford Bridge and won there. And I was thinking, yeah, like, the players, they don't need to be hyped up for this game. Like, they know what's expected of them because we've already done it at two big, 
big away games only for us to lose at Molyneux. So that's what made it even more disappointing. And what makes it even more disappointing on top of that is I feel like ever since that PSG game, yeah, where we won excellent result for us, the players, I don't know, I feel like they think they think that they accomplished something. Oh, they won they won the Champions League that game or the World Cup. Or I don't even know, fam. But no, that's just we just progressed to the next round, fam. There's nothing we haven't we haven't won nothing yet, bruv. So I don't know what it is, yeah. But this we need to wake up, fam. Because if we don't wake up, we might not even qualify for the Champions League. Because the top four race is looking mad now, fam. So United, we need to wake up. Um it's not a criticizing thing. It's just that we need to wake up and we need to start producing when it really matters. Obviously, we've got the international break right now. So the players need to take a good, long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and say, are we ready for this running to try and qualify for the top four? And so that we can be in the Champions League next season. And are we ready for this Champions League quarterfinal draw against Barcelona? Because this is going to be a, a test like none other, fam. Because the way these men have been playing, yeah, I saw what Messi done on the weekend. Boy, if Lindelof and Luke Shaw are getting spun like that by Diego Jota, one can only imagine what Usman Dembele and Lionel Messi and Philip Coutinho and the rest of them are going to do to our back four. So that's it from a United perspective. Moving on to the final FA Cup quarterfinal game before we move on to the NBA segment. It was at the Den, so my, lo my local team, but <coughs> I do not support them whatsoever. But it's just nice to see a local team, you know, triumph in it. So Millwall, they played Brighton and they just bottled it, man. I don't know what happened. 2-0 up, 79 minutes, yeah. And then they just lost, fam. I don't know what went down, yeah. But, like, they done well to go 2-0 up, innit? I thought, yeah, like, Millwall, you know, we got, we got a South London team in the FA Cup semi-final after Crystal Palace let us down. But then, all of a sudden, 88 minutes, Lucardia scored a great goal. I love them goals when you hit on the spin like back was facing the goal next minute he spun around licked it in the back of the net so that was an important goal for them and then in the 95th minute the keeper I don't know what he was thinking fam it was just a simple free kick into the box yeah I don't know whether he was trying to catch it or punch it the ball just went through his hands fam into the net and I was like boy yeah when it was getting into extra time, yeah, I knew they were just going to lose, bruv. If, if they didn't concede in extra time, they would have lost on penalty because the momentum would have been sapped out of them and restored into Brighton, fam, because that's just how football is. Like, it's, it's just devastating for Millwall. And right now, they have, a, they have a battle on their hands to try and stay in the championship because they're battling relegation right now. So it was a, it was a reality check for them at that game, man. And it was disappointing for them, man. Disappointing result for Millwall. So, Brighton, they're through to the FA Cup semi-finals. Going to be playing Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final. Big, big ask for them because City, I feel like they've got their complacency out of their system following that narrow win against Swansea. So, they're just going to give them a beat down them. But you never know, man. Football is funny. Remember what happened when <laughs> Wigan beat them in the FA Cup final all them years ago, fam? <laughs> man like Ben Watson and them man there. So, yeah, you never know what can happen in the Cup. But... The other semi-final, Watford against Wolves. I feel like Wolves, this is their time, you know. This is their time to get to a cup final. And I can't lie, if they do get into the cup final and Man City do progress, it's not going to be a foregone conclusion that City will lift the cup, you know. I can't lie, I'm rooting for Wolves, man, because they've been excellent this season, man. They've been a real... They've been a breath of fresh air in the Premier League for a team that just came up into the Prem. 
what what they've achieved, what they're doing so far. I feel like they they deserved a piece of silverware to go with the type of season that they're having. So big up them. Um, I will be rooting for them actually, despite the fact that they beat us. They beat us fair and square. They played. They were the better team on the day. What can I say? So big up them, and hopefully they can you know get a get a piece of silverware and win the FA Cup. I know they ain't won a trophy in years, fam. Obviously they won a championship, but. Like, real, real silverware. So, it'll be nice for them and their supporters to, you know, reminisce on a great season topped with an FA Cup trophy. That is the Premier League and FA Cup segment. As I said previously, there is an international break. So, we'll be back after the international break, which is in probably two weeks' time. This is Clutch Pod. I'm your host, AB. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clutch underscore pod and on our streaming services, Spotify, SoundCloud and on iTunes. Moving on to the NBA segment now. This is just going to be a brief roundup of what's going on in the league at this current moment in time. And we're going to recap a couple notable games. So, first off, I want to start off big up Lou Williams, you know. Lou Williams, the most prolific bench scorer in the NBA at this current moment in time. On Monday night, he overtook Del Curry for the most bench points in NBA history. He just does, fam. I've never seen a brother so content coming off the bench, fam. Melo needs to rip a page off, off of his book <laughs> if he's looking to get an NBA job <laughs> ever again. So, yeah, big up Lou Williams for that. Piece of sad news for the Bucks, though. Malcolm Brogdon, he's got an injury. He's going to be out for six to eight weeks. So, he's going to miss the remainder of the regular season. Plus, some of the playoffs, I do believe he should be back if the Bucks advance. So, he should be back in the second round. Guarantee the Bucks do advance. I do believe they will advance though because they have the best record in the East right now. But last night they hosted the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, Philly, my guys. It was a tough game. Philadelphia did run out 130 to 125 winners. It was a great game though from a 76ers perspective. I mean, Giannis did cook up a career high though, 52 points. I'm tired of these guys, yeah putting up mad numbers against the Sixers. Like, Campbell Walker cooked up 60 against us. Giannis puts up career-high 52 against us. Uh, Zach Levine put up, what, 40-something when we played the Bulls. Like, why does this always happen to, against us? Like, nevertheless, it was all in vain because the Bucks did lose. 76ers were now 45-25 and 25 for the season. That secured a playoff berth. Yeah, so it was a great win. And Bede, 40 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists. Two blocks, three steals. He's doing it all. Big up him. That was what? His fourth game back from his injury. Fourth or fifth game back from his injury. He's going to miss the first of the back-to-back against the Charlotte Hornets. But he's going to be back for the game against the Celtics. That's the game that I'm going to be at live all. So I'm excited to see what one of my favourite players in the NBA is going to do that game. Hopefully we do win the game. I feel like for the 76ers, that was a... They laid down a marker winning in Milwaukee as well. It was it was a good result, but while I was watching the game, there was I don't know why it was, but there was they just left so many guys open when they were taking three pointers, like so many uncontested threes. I feel like if we had played the Warriors, we would have lost by like thirty because you know how many times I saw Chris Middleton or even Yanis. I know Yanis is a twenty four percent three point shooter, but still, like so now and again, you got to respect the shot, like you know that one's there from like at least try to guard him. But yeah, he was left un- uncontested multiple times, but they didn't make it count. They shot poor from the field. I think it was what twenty seven percent from three that the Bucks shot that game. 
as a as a collective. So that was poor from them. I mean, you got guys like Meritich dropping two points. So you know that was an off game for them. Um, nevertheless, it was interesting to see Ben Simmons and Yanis go at it. I think Yanis threw it down on him, called him a little baby. Then the next play, Simmons threw it down on him, gave him the little stare down. That was great to watch, fam. Like, it was just a mad game. Like, you got two contenders for the East and possibly to win it all come come June. So if that, if that was an insight into what, into playoff intensity basketball, then we're in for a real treat come playoff time because that game had it all for them. Big up the Sixers. They're three, they're four games back of the Raptors, so I don't know if they're looking to push to get, try and get a two seed, but I feel like for the Sixers, the only way is up, given that the Pacers have the hardest schedule left in the NBA and given that the Celtics are the fifth seed and I don't really see them catching up and moving into the top four seeds so that'll be tough for them because that means no home court advantage for them but yeah let's move on the lakers last night <laughs> they lost to the knicks lebron james had a chance to win the game for them but <laughs> his shot was blocked by mario hizona that brother fears no one fam you got man stepping over yanis and now man's performing game winning blocks on lebron fam what what a, what a season that is for him but obviously lakers they, they know they're done out there, man. 31 and 39 for the season now. 11th seed in the West. They just probably need to try and, you know, tank <coughs> the rest of the season. LeBron's already on a minutes restriction. So they probably need to try and get, you know, the highest possible pick they can get in this upcoming 2019 draft. Possibly use that for asset. I don't, I don't think that they'll use their draft pick. I feel like they will trade it because they're in a win now mode. I mean, LeBron, how many years left does he have? Like, you don't have time to be nurturing young, young and upcoming <laughs> rookies to try and win a championship with them like they need to win now so i guess the best bet for them is to try and get the best possible pick they can and trade that for a superstar on or whatever they can in it one of them ones there in the east the miami heat currently occupy the eighth seed they are 33 and 36 obviously in the east you don't even need a winning record to, to make the playoffs fam that's all mad but yeah so they're sitting in the eighth seed their game ahead of the orlando magic I do feel everyone will be rooting for them to get that eighth seed. I know I am. I want to see Dwayne Wade in his final playoff appearance before he does retire. So that would be a great watch to see what he can do. Hopefully he can upset the Bucks as it stands. They will play each other in the first round. What? Do you know how mad that will be? But yeah, uh, the likelihood of that happening is next to none. But it will still be great to see Dwayne Wade in his final season in the playoffs. So yeah. So, yeah, as I said before, this upcoming Wednesday, the Philadelphia 76ers host the Boston Celtics in Philly. I will be at that game. It will be, obviously, the Boston Celtics, they just they just have Philly's number. They're 3-0 so far when they when the two teams have matched up this season. So, I guess at this point, the Sixers, they're trying to get some, some respect back by clinching that one game. Hopefully, you do clinch that one game. They will be on a high following that win against the Bucks in Milwaukee. So hopefully everyone's up for it, man. Tobias Harris, I've, I've liked what he's done following the trade from the Clippers. Jimmy Butler, he, he, he was in a bit of a rut recently. Like until the Kings game, he only made like from the All-Star break. So that was, a, that was a bit of a rut for him. But he's doing his thing right now. One team I want to big up though in the West is the Clippers. Considering the fact that they did trade their best player in Tobias Harris and also some other assets in 
Boban, Marjanovic and Max Scott. You would have thought that, rah, they're just going to, you know, go full on tank modes, drag out a high pick, considering the fact that they also do have two max slots and they're in LA. So, you know, free agents would want to go and play over there. But they have shown no signs of tanking whatsoever. The other night, I saw Lou Williams hit a clutch free for the win against the Brooklyn Nets in LA. So that now puts them 11 games above 500. They are 41 and 30. And they currently occupy the eighth seed in the West. It is looking like they will make the playoffs because they are six games ahead of the ninth seed Sacramento Kings. So we'll be seeing the Clippers in the playoffs. And it's just fair play to them. Big up Doc Rivers as well. Their coach. He's been he's, he's been doing their thing, you know. Yeah, big up them, man, fam. Obviously, they got no real start at the moment. So it's just everybody eats basketball, fam. And we all know how well that can work out for teams that are not, you know ego based around a single superstar so that's a good look for them um they will get dealt with though by the warriors i have no doubt about that fam as i did say this is just a brief roundup of the current stories in the nba so there will be no pod next week as i am traveling to watch the philly game so we'll be back the first week of april don't forget to follow us on Twitter at clutch underscore pod and also on soundcloud spotify and on itunes it's all clutch if you're still listening at this point, much love. Continue supporting Clutch Pod. Wrap it up, fam.